All right, James Lindsay, here we go again. You were on my show just a few weeks ago, so I am completely uh, jumping over your intro here, and I'm going to start by throwing to a video that you put up on Twitter from uh, two days ago at one of the protests in London. Let's take a look. Look at you walking through a Hamas rally. How about that? Yeah, well, the wrong way. Um, that was pretty wild. <laughs> right, not walking with a Hamas no. rally, walking into a Hamas In, rally. Straight into. Yeah. Literally, right down the middle of the strand. I was just going to, I had I had to go that way. I wasn't being defiant to be defiant. I had to go that way. And they were in my way, so I just went the way I wanted to go. Do you think it's a fair estimation for me to call it a Hamas rally and not a pro-Palestine rally or something like that? I do not make the distinction because I don't see anyone there making the distinction. So I, I'm letting them answer it for me. Yeah, I would think that's probably right. It, it was a very confused rally um, as well in a very opportunistic situation. Every tube stop, uh, there was red tents set up for the the Socialist Workers Party of the UK handing out propaganda saying that it's a communist movement. And I have a lot of it. So and I put something on Twitter. I'm not exaggerating that literally this is, you know, the socialist infitata or whatever. Or in, intifada. Fritada. Yeah, yeah fritada. <laughs> so, which means coming shake, soon. Coming I looked soon. it up. It means shaking off in Arabic, like a dog shaking off water. So they're going to shake off the existing society or in uh, in the Middle East, they're going to shake off Israel. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that that's right, though. And what was it? hundred. I heard 150. I've heard 100,000 people. And it was it was quite, quite the energy. What do you make of this bizarre alliance? Obviously, from an American perspective, you've been uncovering and unmasking the Marxists and the far-left lunatics and all of this stuff. You, you've been doing this for a long, long time now. Now it seems to have this connection with the Islamists, yeah. uh, which has given it some kind of hyperfuel. Yeah, well, um, there's, there's a number of things. And we talked, you know, the other day, we could talk about it again, about the deeper intellectual currents they share in common. But for those, those red tents for the Socialist Party here kind of give you the story. The old saying is the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. Mm -hmm. So they see an energy that's built up, that's mad at something, that's going to throw off Western civilization. And they say, hey, those are our people. And that's that's the simplest thing. And, and opportunistically, they show up and they, you know, this is really a communist thing and they're handing out communist propaganda. I talked to a number of communists. Uh, we're very nice people, but seemed a bit confused. Um, what did, when you talk to these people, and I'm not talking about the, the actual Islamists who are there, but when you talk to just like the communist kid or whatever yeah. that's there, like what do they think they are doing? They are uh, throwing off years and years and years of, of, of oppression, of oppressive systems that keep people down, that, that, you know, whether they're racist, whether they're xenophobic, whether there's, I guess there's queers for Palestine, so queer phobic or transphobic or whatever phobic. That's buildings to throw people off in Gaza right now. Turns out that they have taken some of them down <laughs> in, a, in a, you know, uncontrolled demolition. Right. But, but, but these Marxists, the kids that you're talking, I, I say they're kids, but it's mostly in their 20s or something. I mean, they're, that mostly, they're mostly upper middle class British people, right? The accents were upper middle class British accents pretty much across the board. And it was mostly young, very young people who you'd expect to see over at the London School of Economics. Probably they matriculated over lots and lots and lots of Irish, 
somebody mentioned that they were being flown in from Belfast and then um, older ladies with kind of, you know, a middle class accent as well uh, would represent the socialists. But I think they were there largely opportunistically. Um, the Muslims, I think, are not going to be as friendly to their vision as, as they might hope. And it's, they're not going to see solidarity. I think that actually happened in one of the countries in the Middle East. They paired up with the socialists. They get the revolution. And then the Muslims told the socialists, you can choose Islam or death. And uh, there's no socialism there. <laughs> right. I mean, they just get beheaded a little bit later. In yeah, time, right. right. I mean, that that seems to be it. What do you did you talk to any of the Islamists? I did not. Um, right. They, you know, they they didn't seem very interested in, in conversation. And like I said, I literally was just trying to go down the street the other way to get to, yeah. well, as it turns out, the London School of Economics is where we were headed to go see it and see the upside down globe. The world turned upside down is their kind of symbolism there. Uh, it's a socialist institution. Um, we were we were trying to make our way over and see some of the, the darker sites of London. Uh, but... I didn't speak with them, no. So, look, you're, you're an ideas guy. You've been trying to uncover a lot of this for a long time, and, you, and you've done it quite well. But now that you're seeing it on the ground, and we're seeing it in all of these other Western societies, what are some of the things we can do to reverse it? I mean, that's what I've been asking several of the guests so far. I don't know that anyone's had, like, the fully right answer other than kind of expose it and well, see what happens. There is, I mean, it does start with expose and explain. Exposing and explaining are the number one. As far as the Marxist takeover, there's an old saying that the Marxist fears nothing more than exposure, um, even more than death. And so exposure matters. Explaining what's going on and, and why it's going on matters. But one thing that the conservatives are very bad at is parlaying that into the next step of action as far as things go. So Bud Light, that got exposed. They exposed themselves, really embarrass themselves they get hit with a multi-billion dollar you know boycott and then what happened bill gates bought a bunch of their stock womp womp like what happened mm -hmm. at no point was there a, a senate judiciary committee or uh, oversight committee saying calling these ceos and saying what led you to make this decision mm -hmm. was it just virtue signaling did you, do you really believe in it did somebody have a financial gun to your head and tell you you have to? Because that's a very interesting story, and that passes the buck up the chain. And that's not happening. We're not taking the next steps. So we've got to do a lot more of that. The underground journalism, expose, explain, motivate, get parents going, organized, that all matters. But what they've also got to do, again, is take the next step. What's the next step? Well, our main blockade in many cases people are discovering is that the Republican Party is not as collaborative in stopping woke as we would hope. Mm -hmm. So it's about time for people to start taking over local Republican parties. Those are achievable targets. Even in Connecticut, they're doing it, which is like the most law, the Constitution state. What's going on? What's going on? They are organizing, and it doesn't take very many numbers. They've taken over Greenwich, which is like a leftist bastion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they organize, and they realize that at the meetings where, say, the Republican Party chair for the township or district or county or whatever, that not very many people show up to the meetings where those chairs and those other officials are elected. So they're getting a few dozen or maybe a few score people together showing up to the meeting and voting their people in. Then guess what? Now they have a lever over the state RNC because they have somebody that's the seat at the table. And this is a replicable model that can happen everywhere. So you can start taking back power or the Republican Party locally to get the rhinos out, to get these kind of complicit or fearful or clueless or feckless or corrupt politicians out of these seats and start putting in people who want to put a stop to this stuff, who will make the policy differences, who will be the sand in the gears on the committee that makes it so they, the, the left doesn't just have a free march through the institutions even further. 
and it's working where people are doing it. Let's back up for a second, because one of the things that I'm noticing, and I see this in the video that you posted and from, from what we're seeing now at college campuses everywhere, is the way they're weaponizing our freedoms against us, the way they're using free speech against us. The same people yeah. who last year were afraid of microaggressions and if you know scary James Lindsay <laughs> showed up to campus are now calling for, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, uh, which is coded genocide. Can you talk a little bit about how they use, how they weaponize our freedoms against us and then how they use language in a very bizarre way so that the people who should be defending free speech, guys like us, are also trying to expose how they're using free speech against us. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's how they operate, right? But just to be real clear about the, the slogan, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free of what? Jews. Right, yeah. It will be free of Jews. That's that's what what it is. It's it's a call, call for genocide. So we, if you read the Hamas charter, it's yeah. not ambiguous on what it's calling for. And yeah. I've heard that the Arabic is slightly different. It's from water to water, Palestine will be Muslim which tells you something a little bit different. Uh, Does it? <laughs> well, it, it answers the question. Oh, 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 free oh, oh, free of see. what? Yes, yes, yes. Free right, of what? Right, okay, okay. And so it, it answers that yeah. question. So let's not be ambiguous about what they're right. calling for. And then, of course, some people were unhappy with this. So what do they reply with? Uh, academic freedom, free speech. This is a free speech institution. We have, you know, oh, all of a sudden. The same people who for years now have been trying to silence everybody The else. same people who were firing people over. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the, the, the communications professor who was explaining that in China, there's a word oh. for when you can't remember the word. Yeah. Which I'll say, because it's Chinese, is nega, nega, nega. Yeah. Well, you can hear what it sounds like. So they thought, well, somebody might think he's trying to say a racial slur. So they got him fired. Yeah. They were that stupidly sensitive to free speech uh, being, you know, a tool of oppression, you know, mere months ago. In fact, probably until October 6th. And then the second they started running their mouths and as they would call it, accountability and consequences started to come their way. No, 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 no. We need our free speech. We need our free speech. And of course, what they mean by free speech is there's no accountability for them, but there will be accountability for everybody else. So what do we do with that as the defenders of free speech? What do we do with that knowing what they are doing? Well, the answer is we saw the answer in the 1960s in the South at the lunch counters. You speak freely and then you take the consequences and then you make a lot of noise about the consequences. People have got to stop being afraid of the consequences. They've got to stop being afraid of making a sacrifice. I was writing over here, the best talk I've heard at the conference so far was the cabbie. Well, no, that's not true. Jordan spoke this morning, it was beautiful. <laughs> but besides Jordan yeah. was the cabbie on the, on the right over here from downtown last night. And he's just talking and he, you know, he, he's, he's dialed in, his eyes are open, he's tuned in, but he's very, resolute in saying that we, 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 we've just got to tell the truth. We've just got to be willing to, to he said, what, what, what brought it up is, what, is that he said, we're caught in a dilemma where people are too afraid to lose their living, their means of making a living, so they're willing to give up their freedom, mm -hmm. not realizing what that means a step down the track. And There's so- a Frog in a pot thing. Yeah, yeah, so you've got to be willing to, to take the risk of losing something. You might not lose it if you take their, this is a very, we could go, we do all Jordan hour right now if we wanted to, you know, he's sure. talking about Cain and Abel, he does that a lot. And he's like, well, you know, Cain was making an insufficient sacrifice. Abel's giving the best fat. God smiles upon him. Cain's pissed off, kills him. And it, you know, instead of making a better sacrifice, if you're not willing to make a sacrifice, we're not going to win this. So people, have, what, what do we do? We tell the truth boldly, but not rashly, then get to your Greek virtues or whatever. 
and don't be afraid of the consequences. And when there are consequences, we point out the injustice. The people that went to the lunch counters in the 1960s sat at the lunch counter and they said, serve us lunch. If you serve us lunch, we'll leave. Mm -hmm. They weren't, we're sitting in and occupying, we're not occupying your restaurant. Serve us lunch like anybody else and then we'll go. But if you don't, we're going to sit here till you do. Yeah. And they waited and people wouldn't. And then they get yelled at and they got hit. And then the cops come drag them out. Looks real bad. Turns out this works. And when we are being unjustly persecuted this way, this is the attitude we actually have to take. One thing that you and I have both gone through over the last couple of years is that you, you are you still an atheist? Do you, you continue yeah, well, atheist? I'm alleged. I spent a lot of time with Charlie Kirk, so I have to say agnostic. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Charlie's um, working on me. He's but says. but you were that's what Charlie used to say to me. Also, yeah. but but basically you were you. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you were a very well known, let's say, liberal atheist yes. who has now found mostly common cause with say more believing conservatives. Yeah, something like that. We've talked about it a bunch before. But does that still, when you wake up every morning, seem a little bizarre to you? Or or does it now just seem very obvious? I mean, it just I seems, it seems very obvious. Very obvious. obvious yeah. I think there was the bizarre phase. Yeah. But it wasn't, I don't think it took very long. Um, maybe most of 2019, a little of 20. And what does that say about the, the atheist uh, liberals then, I suppose? Because I think people understand what it says about the, the conservative religious people who have become... I have not... Looking back on that, I've not found that to be a very welcoming group of people, a very kind group of people, a group of people who have um, a vision for something that makes, you know, you want to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just kind of a, a little bit of a cesspool. There are wonderful people here and there within it, and then there are awful people, but that's true of everything. But uh, it, there's, a, there's, there's a lack of, I don't know, general positivity. Maybe faith is the word that... Um, you know, looking back, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah, it is a damn shame. It's, yeah. Because it didn't have to be this way. And I think no. that that's what so many of us were screaming about. Like, come on, the both. Like, you don't have to do this. But yeah. they, they all just kind of no. committed harikari. Yeah, well, you know, they, they had to find some way to, to inject meaning. And, and humanism is an interesting phenomenon. A lot of them attach themselves. Oh, I'm a, you know, secular humanist or liberal humanist or whatever. Well, you know, you track back. It turns out Karl Marx called his philosophy humanism. He didn't call it Marxism. Right. He was Karl Marx. That would have been a, a little weird, right? He called it humanism. A little too out of the money. Yeah. He said his goal was to humanize the world through the work of man that's liberated from labor and private property. And so to make the world more and more a human place and befitting humans and to make humans as the object of our own work more human and... Uh, that's not a good path. It's just, it's, it's rooted in critique. It's rooted in negativity. I look back at the new atheist movement and I think honestly, you know, we talk about critical race theory or critical gender theory or whatever critical theory you want. It's very much critical religion theory. Mm -hmm. It's very, if you go back and you read the, the first page of uh, Marx's critique of Hegel's philosophy of right, which sounds obscure, but that's the very famous religion is the opiate of the masses mm -hmm. page. It's just one page. It's the very first page of this, you know, 300 and some odd page book that nobody wants to read. It feels like that whole movement. And you can see that it was like the seeds of all the wrong direction are, are kind of tied up within that. That might have been the first time we ever met in person was at that reason rally. And when I spoke at, I think this was at probably 2015. It was like 15, that. yeah. Yeah. 
And I spoke at the mall there and I remember saying in my speech, I was like, guys, do you see what's happening here? And I think I was probably the only person yeah, doing it. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back, but I was, I could see all of the wrongness. Yeah. And unfortunately, I guess I became right. But let me end with this because you mentioned jokingly as we walked in here, you said everybody's talking about a story in there, right? Yeah. Like that's the idea. And, and this is the ARC pamphlet, obviously. And yeah. as you guys can see, it says a better story. So what is the better story. I mean, you're particularly good at laying out the, the critiques of the history for the bad story, but what, what is our better story? Well, I mean, just to listen to Jordan, of course, he laid it out so, so Jordanly, um, which I think should just be an adjective at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> it really should be. <laughs> and, so, I think you just coined it. That's yeah, it uh, but it's yeah. true. But he, he, he talked about how uh, the path to abundance and prosperity and the, as he calls it, as in his, it very Jordanly said, the adventure of your life. Yeah, you know, you all of a sudden felt like you're back on the road with them, and you hear that yeah. the, the adventure of your lifetime is discovered through taking responsibility within your own sphere of life, cleaning your room, so to speak, but getting your own life in order, then building a family and having it ordered, and then letting order spread outward. Where taking responsibility gets you out of this, he said, infantile state where all of your needs are met like a child, but you have no liberty, and you get to go on the adventure of your life through taking personal and then family and then community and then even national responsibility, civic responsibility. Um, so that he said, as we can, we have to, in a sense, choose whether we're going to tilt the world toward heaven or tilt the world toward hell and tilt the world uphill or tilt the world downhill. And how do we do that? And he said, it's, so the better story is if you take responsibility in your life and try to be a proactive builder, ordered builder of your life, there's a better story for all of us on the other side of that decision. And I think that I have to concur completely with that analysis. I mean, not that Jordan's wrong a lot, but that's uh, I've been preaching a lot of the same thing lately. I found it ironically, perhaps you'll enjoy this. One of my favorite words is a different R word, not responsibility, but repent. And I, I don't technically believe in God. So what do I mean by that? But say you got caught up in this woke stuff. A lot of people did, mm -hmm. or you got caught up in COVID hysteria. A lot of people did, or you got caught up in, uh, pick your favorite politician, doesn't have to be Trump, derangement right, right, syndrome. Right, right, right. A lot of people did. You have to get inside yourself and say, I messed up. It's not just, well, a lot of people messed up, it doesn't matter. You have to get inside yourself and say, I messed up, and you've got to get right in your conscience with where you were, and then take responsibility for the mistakes you made and the direction you want to go in the future. And I, I call people to repent all the time. Repent of the woke. Repent of your participation. Look at what's happening in the world right now. Right. Look what they're cheering for. You know, glory to the martyrs on the side of Columbia University. Look what they're cheering for. Repent and take responsibility. I think, and then there's a better story. Your life gets better. Just like walking upstream up through the thing where he started there. If you just live your life in truth, not, I wasn't being glib. I wasn't trying to provoke. Yeah. I was genuinely going that way <laughs> and I wasn't going to let them deter me. If you just live that way, what I found is 49 out of 50 times, you got to burn a little corruption out of your life first. Sure. But 49 out of 50 times your life gets better. One time something bad happens. And so what? And 49 out of 50 times it gets better. It's just this constant building when you're willing to, to get straight on the truth and just go the direction that you need to go without worrying too much about what's going on around you. James, I suspect that literally and metaphorically, we will continue to walk through Hamas rallies. Yeah, well, say. look forward to it, actually.
Thanks for tuning into the Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.